0: Hi, I'm Nicola, and I'm Jay Percy, and welcome Welcome to the Afro Afro Animist Podcast. Podcast. We are two animists and spiritual
1: practitioners
0: exploring the secular through the spiritual, discussing life experiences through a sacred lens. Each week we share our experiences and dive deep into everything in life, from philosophy, metaphysics, obeah, occultism, shamanism, culture, healing, nature, animism, the arts, pop culture, conspiracies, psychedelics,
1: and witchcraft. Nothing is off the table in these discussions, which aim to get to the heart of what it means to be spiritual and Afro diasporic in an increasingly
0: sterile and authoritarian world. We keep it real whilst exploring the biggest mysteries of our multiverse. Join us holding this space to laugh, cry, debate, build community, and tear down oppressive structures. Welcome,
1: welcome, welcome, beautiful, beautiful being. Of the multiverse to the Afro Animus podcast. Got where I was from. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing a podcast today. <laughs> we, are. we are. We're doing the Afro
0: Animus podcast here today with me, Jay Percy. And me, Nicola Rolf. And uh, we've already been, we've already started the conversation. We were like, shit, we need to hit record on this. Well, today we're looking at mother wounds. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So healing the mother wound. What is the Ooh. mother wound, Nicola? Okay, well I did some Google magic on this. I mean, I know what it is in my soul, but um, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you go onto Your Google, soul knows what this is, my soul knows yeah. this shit. if you go onto Google, it says the mother wound is an attachment trauma that creates a sense of confusion and devastation in the in the child's psyche it instills deeply rooted beliefs that make the child feel unloved abandoned unworthy of care and even fearful of expressing themselves hmm. and i find this really easy interesting because i also did father wound googling just before we signed on as well and like i, I said to you jay like there just wasn't I always hear about father wound in spiritual circles, but there wasn't like the wealth of like information on page one of Google about it. But the mother, you know, I would say that these things were were very similar, but it's very interesting seeing the definition. So especially for girls, for example, so the mother wound comes from what girls witness from their mothers in their formative years. Women are often taught to prioritize relationships above all else seeing their mother conforming to these pressures they too learn to believe that accessing their power will somehow damage their connection with others you get low self-esteem difficulty trusting others commitment issues having very few female friends feeling like you must do everything perfectly avoiding anything having to do with your mother finding it difficult Mm -hmm. to set boundaries or make others respect you fuck babes and um, the list
1: goes on and on and on. It feels it like you know, you on. go to the states and they get they give you one of those adverts for like a drug, oh like uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like my my broken arm medicine. like this may call, cause anal leakage, suicide, <laughs>
0: Thoughts <laughs> thought of as an existential crisis. <laughs> if you haven't seen one of these adverts, guys, you just need to know how on point that was. It was actually. <laughs> <laughs>
1: one who may cause feelings of insignificance, mm-hmm. over yourself, people-pleasing. <laughs> yeah, basically. Low self-esteem. <laughs> 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 oh my
0: gosh. You have, have to me- laugh you, at you at come
1: onto this show to laugh about the stuff that actually makes us cry into our pillows at yeah. night. This is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is why you're here, yeah. guys. You're here for chaos. What this exactly. episode is not going to be is us directly bitching about our mothers or anyone's mother. In that case, what we do want to emphasize is this overarching culture that perhaps we may have seen in the baby boomer generation, if you've got a baby boomer parent or slightly older than that. Um, This particular, it may even have been carried down into sort of like um, Gen X in cases as well, if you've got a Gen X parent. Mm -hmm. What we are talking about is this overarching intergenerational problem within femininity within mm-hmm. the the female which um you know it's, it's been really it's been really damaging not only for our generation but for our mother's generation which is I guess where it's passed on from and to mm-hmm. and you know talking about these things is once again very important because classically these have been taboo things These aren't things that we necessarily speak about. Um, And we can honestly tell you, we have had this episode on our roster for the last six months, I think. Mm -hmm. Because even we're sort of... (laughs) Yeah, because this isn't a slag-off session. It really isn't a slag-off session. Um, You need to talk about these things to stop them from progressing further, from moving forward... Um, and this isn't about slagging off women. This isn't slab- slagging mm. off mums. We are going to do a father episode, father wound yeah. episode, because that's a very separate issue and very real issue too. Um, mm-hmm. we, we we hope you take what you need to take from this conversation, and and if it if it doesn't apply,
0: let it fly. I think I like oh, that I mantra. That. Oh, we need that on a yeah. T-shirt. Another T-shirt <laughs> it doesn't apply. Let it fly. Oh, I love that. <laughs>
1: Sorry. Just get rid of it. <laughs> Love that. Um, so when I was a teenager, I'm going to admit to you, Nikki. Okay. I was probably a bit of a pick me, and I get I <clears throat> you'd hear me say I just get on better with guys. Hmm. I just. I just find guys so much easier to get on with they're just less drama mm. Mm. Does, does that sound familiar to you
0: oh yes yes this was the story of my life babes yeah <laughs> you know i and i talk to so many women who have the mm. same thing mm. and it's crazy do you want to go on before i start running Let's no, I that. want you to rant. Oh, okay, all right, cool. All right, here we go. Um, yes, no, I was definitely, definitely was that child. And into my early 20s as well. And it was never a thing of like, you know, I actually want to be friends with boys more. It was, it was more, it was how I was brought up in a way. My mum was an athlete. So her experience was like, she was a tomboy, um, she had a very specific experience, like kind of growing up with that, being a black woman in Peckham and also being into that kind of stuff and not dressing the way other people dress, not wearing makeup, all that kind of thing. And I know that she definitely she has like a couple of really close female friends that she's had since she was a child. But apart from that, there's not really many of them around. And even I recognize it at her work and stuff, she would probably make slightly more like kind of male friends and stuff like that. Um, I was an athlete when I was growing up. So, you know, I was brought up in a a family full of women, Um, but I was an athlete and I was, when I was training, you know, doing martial arts, it was all guys. When I was going gymnastics, it was all guys. So all of a sudden I had these really strong interests um, and all my friends were were boys. I I really didn't know how to make friends with girls. Like I would have throughout my life, like one female best friend but I would always long for it. So I remember being like 18 and being in like, you know, gymnastics with all these guys and stuff. And and actually saying that to people like, yeah, guys are so much more easier to get on with. They're just simple. There's no drama, da da, 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 da. But there was also like a massive place of a lack of connection. Like I was very close to these guys, but there was something that they could not understand. And they treated me very, very, very differently. Um, I struggled a lot with girls. Like I used to feel like I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't this enough. I wasn't that enough. Like I was different. I was weird. And I really feel like I received that feedback a lot at school, you know, so I would have my best friend was like tall, blonde, beautiful dancer girl. And she was really bubbly, really lovely. And it would be that thing of like, all the guys would fancy her and no one would fancy me. So that would also like really enforce this feeling of like being different and being separated from that. And even to the mm. extent of, I wasn't very into dating. Like <laughs> I didn't have my first kiss until I was yeah. like 16 and a half. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, there was this, just this place where I just couldn't connect with what all the girls were doing. It felt like I wasn't part of it. Um, and when I got a bit older, the uh, that developed into such a massive place of lack. Like I genuinely would dream and wish like all my wishes would be like just to find women, find a female teacher, like find women who I could connect with. And it has been like a work over the past 15 years to build my tribe of beautiful women where we can meet each other in love. And like, there's no there's no drama, there's drama with humans because humans are full of fucking drama, yes. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah. yeah it's a shame that we use those words with each other I think Mm. it's a massive shame like and just speaks to the patriarchal misunderstanding we have of women
1: it really it really does um I I guess I had a sort of I wasn't very athletic at all I I did dance I was you know into drama I was into the arts um but I feel like I'd kept telling myself this you know, I just get on with guys better. Mm. And when I really investigated it, it came from a number of issues. It came with me perhaps not quite feeling, wanting to feel connected to femininity because um, I grew up um, and experienced abuse at the hand of female abusers. Mm. Um, So that was something that I, I didn't want to connect with there um there was also the issue that um you know all of my friends in primary school there was a a girl's school down the road funnily enough um Aisha who we've just had on I think she mm-hmm. went to the girl's school down the road that I wanted to go to so we we oh, really? we may have ended Rivals. up the same school in another universe. <laughs> yeah yeah so all of all of my friends went to this this girl's school down the road and mm. I didn't get in because even though I was like super close closer than other people who had got in Um, because I was in the right catchment area I wasn't allowed to go there Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um so I didn't get that place and I really felt like I'd lost all of my female friends and the only female female that had come along to the other school with us um you know we we weren't we weren't the best of friends at the time. We, we, we didn't really like click like a house on fire. I, fa- I found her a bit jarring. Luckily, by the time we would sort of left school, I was able to, I think I was able to see the sweetness in her. I highly doubt that she was able to see the sweetness in me. I was an absolute freaking terror in secondary school. Um, oh, my God. I can't imagine. <laughs> No, I was a terror. I was, I was just pent up and angry and I would put that on people instead of dealing with myself. But that was probably something that I observed from my lineage where there's, there's, this, there's a relationship with anger that had become very frightening, was always really frightening mm-hmm. for me. But it's taken Mm. me being an adult, going to therapy and really understanding that actually that's not the way I want to be. I don't feel like reacting angrily to absolutely everything. Not even, it's not, it's the difference between experiencing anger and holding space to your anger, which we talk about a lot. But Mm. when that anger becomes violence, that's Mm. what I had an experience of in terms of anger. And... That is something that I would put onto other people. So, I had basically, from this sort of grounding, I had grown up thinking oh, I'd just lost all of my female friends and, um, you know, and having to make a footing with finding new friends again, new female, new female friends, new women,
0: mm-hmm.
1: as well as, you know, perhaps experiencing, experiencing a home life which was particularly punitive. And as a really sensitive person, I've always been a really sensitive person. You know, that would come out in such a horrible, horrible way in me. So this culminated in me sort of saying things like, oh, you know, women are just drama. I I just get on better with guys. Did I get on better with guys? Or did I just not feel safe among women at that point in my life? Because my experience along... Around women, haven't been particularly safe.
0: Mm.
1: Haven't felt particularly safe. Um, and I think coming to that realization um, was really freeing because this is complete contrast. Now um, I'm able to hold space for anger and manage it. I'm mm. able to hold space for disagreement. I'm able to hold space for women. In fact, so many women that um i have you know really lovely and dear friends who are all women that i can like call upon and Mm -hmm. you know have fun with and talk about innermost worries with and it's just been such a nurturing and healing space Mm -hmm. um i've i've absolutely I've absolutely loved it and I couldn't imagine anything different for myself right now. But it's been a real process. It's been a real process getting getting to this point. Um, and understanding the nu- nuance in what it means to become a woman. Mm. Um, that being said, there are still wounds. There are still wounds that I am like healing and making sure I you know, change the bandage on and see to as, as they heal, because um, healing can be a process. You know, there may mm. be some things within your experience that you're able to get that juicy post-traumatic growth from really quickly, and there are other things not so much.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting, like, you talking about the <clears throat> that place where you maybe didn't feel safe with women. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. and then that rhetoric again, of like you know, guys are easier, guys don't have drama. Duh, duh, duh. If I look back on that place of myself, it does. It is. It is actually just a place of of, of massive fear. Actually, of not being mm-hmm. right, of not being good enough to fit into whatever that female kind of circle is. But also, if I'm really, really, really honest, I also feel like there's can be a power in being like the only female in a group of men you're the one then who can yeah. hold that drama. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're the one who can, and I'm I'm thinking about this because it's just what I've read about like, you know, a lot of the time with your mother wound, again, it's similar to your father wound, but it's, it's re- it will be relationship based, you know, it will really affect how you would then yeah. relate to people and men. And actually a lot of the time, as women, and I know this is changing now, but a lot of times as women like maybe what we've seen our mothers or our female elders doing, like the way they behave with men, the importance of having a relationship, the importance of having a man is a thing. And so therefore to be a teenage girl and go, I can't, I don't really know how to do women, but I've been taught my whole life that I should be seeking out male relationships because they're the people who will hold me and they're the people who will keep me safe and they're the people who will, you know, that kind of shit. They're the rescuers. The rescuers, do you know what I mean? I think this is actually really, I really do actually connect with that in the sense of, like, I just feel like, and no bad mind, but in my family, this is one of the things that we deal with. Like the women have been fucked over and over and over they've been cheated on, left, beat you know, a lot of the time they'll go back to the men, actually almost all the time, there's such a lack of kind of self-worth in regards to mm. their male relationships and it's just such a, it's an interesting thing to look at and you know, I can look at and I can see it through several generations of my family, it isn't just something that my mum's gone through or her mum's gone through I see it, my gran- great-grandparents Do you think
1: we're taught to be more enduring of the bullshit that we put up with men versus the bullshit we put up with among other women
0: a thousand percent because it's the same thing like being an angry black woman just full stop if you're a woman you're emotional you're hormonal you're like illogical and like ridiculous but you also have to be really good at looking after everyone in every single fucking way that they might need of course it is like yeah yeah um we have so many this is like for me this is like an unpicking of just these repeated things that we have been taught as children as young women Mm. as people english people as people from the african diaspora like whatever like all of it this is like an unpicking Mm. of it i feel like it's really really important to look to look back like as in to look at where you've come from at what your parents experience has been if you know if you can know in any way what your your grandparents experience has been but there's also you know it's also really important to to looking forward if that makes sense so finding a way Mm. where that where you can just understand that this is maybe what's happened like we are not unique in maybe admitting that we have mother wounds or wounds with the feminine that's something that we're Mm. seeing play out in our society over and over and over in different in many different ways through many different groups of people um Mm. you know it's actually quite hard I feel like when I was growing up I had I really struggled with things like when my breast started to grow and I started to look more like a girl, like I really struggled with that place because for me, it was not, it was not good to have boobs and be doing gymnastics or have boobs and be doing martial arts or things like that. You know, it was, and it's been a massive struggle for me to like, in any way, sit in my femininity. Like it's, it's been, it's, it's something that I really have, have to work at actually understanding. And in my Mm. 20s, like I did, that was what my main work is like connecting with the feminine, connecting and accepting those places in myself that I've been taught are not good enough. Like, it's just not good enough if you're a girl. Mm. It's not, you're not gonna be as good as as the boys at the gym, at the flips or the kicks or, you know, whatever, you're not gonna be good. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I'm just having a stream of thoughts, babe.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I can, I can totally relate, relate to that. In terms of, you know, I guess when I first got my period, that was really horrible for me. Not because it was my period. I mean, there are a couple of moments where I can point to in my life where I thought, "Ah, oh, I am feeling the shame of being a woman here." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's this self esteem and that's been like, um, the first time I had a bra, um, remember being given this bloody itchy thing to wear and I was in primary school and I was in like year six and I just decided I can't deal with this. It's horrible. It's so painful. So I'd taken it off and I'd put it in my coat pocket and I'd hung up my coat. And for whatever reason, this thing had fallen out of my coat pocket. And then one of the boys had found it and gone, ah, someone's bra. And I remember the teacher picking it up and being quite cautious and just like moving it out of the way. But I remember the whole chorus of the class going like, ah, someone who's wearing a bra is not wearing one now. Someone's got their bra and just feeling the shame. (laughs) And Mm. I didn't say anything. And like, I don't think anyone knew it was me, but I just remember feeling like, oh my God, this is horrifying. And then when I um first had my period, that was that was particularly upsetting, um, because um really this is this is a this is a hard story for me. Probably because I haven't I haven't brought it up with my family. It's only something I brought up within therapy. But mm-hmm. I I do I want to share this story not from a point of blame or shaming but from a point of this has really affected my relation this has been one of those stories that has affected my relationship with something that is considered a feminine or female function that's why i want to share this and i want to make that very very clear um so i i had my first period and um my my father didn't live with us but he would come round every other Thursday or every Thursday to sort of pick us up and cook us some boil-in-the-bag rice. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> he'd he'd come round and, <laughs> yeah, and my my mother had then decided to tell him, with my little brother in the room, that, oh, you know, Jade's had her first period. And as I've come downstairs um, and I've heard this, it's just my brother and my father, like, grinning at me. And I mm-hmm. felt the shame like pierce through my soul and I started crying and I was completely invalidated by my mother mm-hmm. who was like, oh, I don't know why you're crying. Everyone has this. It's just a thing. Mm-hmm. But it was that moment of that, that conversation should have been had with me. Mm-hmm. My father was quite an immature and that's quite chauvinistic views and you know in front of my brother then him mimicking that sort of smarmy Mm. look on my father's face it felt like I just walked in and had just been shamed about something that I had no control over and I was sort of told to you know get over it get over it and I've never I've never gotten over it, let's be very clear. I've never gotten over that moment of feeling that level of shame about my period. Mm. And that that informed a a number of other situations where I felt shame from being found out that I had a period in some way. To the point, and I think these things are connected because, you know, we do program ourselves, I have period problems. I don't have periods Mm. for months, years at a time.
0: Mm
1: and i feel like some part of me has internalized that shame around it that shame around this ability that essentially could make us all mothers and i've i've let that in my body perpetuate as a problem Mm -hmm. um and that's been really hard that's been really really hard i feel like it's one of the ways I carry on physically to this, this wound is shame around yeah. periods, which mm. logically as I'm getting older, I have less and less shame around it. Um, but the body remembers, you know?
0: Mm. You're having to unravel something that happened to you when you were a child. How old were you when you started bleeding?
1: I think I would have been about 11 or
0: 12. Yeah. So you fucking baby. Do you know what I mean? It's like those yeah. things that you cannot logically, you can't logicalize in your head. Like it's those feelings are overwhelming. That's a core wound. Mm. It's very formative. It is like this.
1: This is a. For, this is honestly. I'm. I guess bearing with you, what is mm. essentially a core wound. This is one of the core moments yeah. in my life where mm. I can call back to this and I can identify where I felt shame. Uh, in my femininity, because mm. it came from a lack of control, and I think this reflects a wider issue with the mother wound, where this this idea of control and women—you know, uh, these two things go hand in hand, don't they? This idea of a controlling woman, and even though it's supposed to be this quite negative thing in society. There is also the idea that, you know, a woman should be in control. If you don't have that, if you're a, a woman who's not in control, of how many situations you're are put on us kind. when we should have a, had control? Oh, you shouldn't have been drinking, you should have had self-control. This, this idea of control, when, when it's then taken away from you, this yeah. takes you away from this core
0: foundation
1: of femininity.
0: Exactly. Or even something as simple as, oh, you're in a mood, are you are in your period? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. anyway, <laughs> I really feel like it's important to talk about first menarch. So the first bleed, the, your first menstruation, because again, traditionally in our more ancient societies, these are things that were really taken care of. This is an initiation into your womanhood. We don't have these places anymore in our society over here anyway, where, where you actually have an initiation into being a woman. If you think about like, for example, take a bar mitzvah, right? Or what's the kinsanera yeah. um, when in in that, Spanish? Bar that that mitzvah they,
1: is the female, um, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they have, you know, and mm. I'm just, there's just several communities who do this at like 13 or 15 or whatever, you know. Even thinking about the mm. idea of us having like our sweet 16, or these are all places mm. where we would have been initiated into being an adult version of ourselves, where we would have been given that support so that we are not ashamed with something that is happening to our body so that we are given an understanding so that we know what you know because I don't know about your mum but my mum never had that conversation with her mother about what period was and there were four girls um, in her I had, and they just. St-
1: I had a brief yeah. conversation but there was no there was no reverence do you know there was no um yeah. it's like you bleed you bleed into this cotton thing make sure when, you, um, when you're when you done with it, you wrap it up and you get rid of it as soon mm. as possible because no one wants to smell that. No one wants mm. to be around that. It's disgusting. Mm. It's disgusting. That, that, I actually, I felt that a lot. I felt that idea of being told it is disgusting mm. a mm. lot growing up. Um, being, being shamed that things were in a bin you know, Mm. perceivedly Mm. longer than they should have been. Even though it was like it was put in there this morning. Having that shouted through the house, having my business shouted through the house with a brother in the house. You know, this makes me, I actually, I feel like I need to honour my anger here. This makes me really fucking angry. Mm. Having that, Mm. oh, why haven't you emptied the bin? Shouted through that. Oh, it's disgusting. Everyone can smell it. It's like, (laughs) what? It it, it went in there moments ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Why am I being mm-hmm. actively shamed for this? But then when you look at that behaviour in themselves and seeing how they felt like they've been shamed for being a female, mm. then you can, you can see... I feel like this episode is a really big continuation on from the episode with Aisha, that
0: mm. you know
1: hurt people hurt people. Hurt yeah. women. Women who are hurt in their femininity will hurt other women in their femininity because they haven't 100%. connected with their femininity. Mm, and it's it's exactly. not really their fault and it's not your, your fault but it's everyone's responsibility when they're cognizant of that moment to not mm. carry that front forward unfortunately for me I was not in a situation where that person was able to be cognizant of that harm that they were causing so mm-hmm. I experienced that harm
0: yeah and you were a child like yeah. you know I've had a similar thing and again, this isn't bashing on anyone. It's actually just really understanding, like where you, what your parents' experience was, you know. So, like I said, mm. my mum didn't have that conversation. She was like, "Yeah, I was just given like I started to bleed out my vagina. I was just given a sanitary towel. There was no conversation about it, even with her older sisters. You know, mm. it's just like that's just what you did. You just strapped up, got on with it. And mm. you know, one of the things that she said to me a lot when I was little, like before my period started, was that the only reason she was sad that I was a girl was that I would have a period so Mm. that you know again if I'm talking about even like how I was uncomfortable during my puberty and stuff like all of those things of being a woman felt like such a thing it felt like the hardest Mm. thing to be it felt like we have to have this thing where we're bleeding and it's disgusting and you can't tell anyone and it hurts and it's, you know, and then you have to like really behave yourself even though you maybe don't feel like behaving in the way that everyone wants you to fucking behave. And like, there's no understanding Mm. around this thing. You're literally bleeding out of your fucking vagina. Imagine if a man, just like once a month, just slit his arm open, walked around for six days with his arm bleeding. Then we'd all be like, oh my God, oh my God, that's so much, how are you functioning? Like, do you want me to fucking cut your bread for you? Like, (laughs) we're literally bleeding out our fucking vaginas. It's not a joke, it's a big (laughs) fucking deal, man. And it's like the way that we have to get on. This is one of my biggest works actually when it came to being able to accept myself as a woman was when I started working with a female teacher and we were specifically doing this work. We were specifically learning how to work with our men We were specifically, we were retreating you know so I used to do this beautiful beautiful practice which I would actually love to bring a version of it to to people um where Mm. you know traditionally in a lot of indigenous societies if you're a woman you will go away and we're hurt we're heard this we hear this a lot like you're bleeding go and fucking sit in that corner (laughs) you know and there's this whole idea Mm. I've read it in like you know books that are talking about all these nice times you know in the past where women were together but you were bleeding you got sent off into a corner and you had to kind of do it on your own and there and there's an understanding that i gained from doing my spiritual work around my bleed that is about mm-hmm. the power that we have and this is why shame mm-hmm. is the main thing that we are we is put on us when it comes to to being females because the power that we have when we when we start to bleed it literally changes everything it changes the way we connect it gives us these amazing beautiful markers throughout them every fucking month or however long your whatever your cycle is you have these markers that connect you with the earth and connect you with the moon and connect you with the stars and it's actually a beautiful amazing cyclic thing to be part of so i used to go into retreat so for the first three days of my period every month i would retreat Mm -hmm. and um i'm not going to give all the details of what, what i would do but it would be an output not an input so you're not taking anything, you're not watching TV, you're not even reading a book. If you wanna to listen to some music, you have to make that music. You know, cause this is the, when we are oh. bleeding, when we're in that, we are in our deepest phase of our deepest power. We are so connected. We are literally traveling in this in-between place. Like we are bleeding out the potential of life that oh. didn't happen that month. You know, we're in this place, like this kind of, um. what's the word that you always mm-hmm. use that I fucking love? Uh, mm-hmm you know and in between give me a word liminal liminal Liminal. yes we're in this liminal space space. and to be taught Mm. that like for me one of the hardest things is being told by society that i am not allowed to sit in that liminal space i'm not allowed to work with that liminal i need to be able to go to work. well
1: let us talk about the infradian rhythm and shame around productivity i think that is a huge Mm. part of the uh, mother wounds that we don't We don't talk about this idea that you know. I mean, we saw it in our mother on the go all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, all the time, twenty-four-seven on the go. When when you're (laughs) when you have a an infradian cycle, which you know your circadian cycle rules everyone. It's like how you relate to when the sun sets and when it goes up and when it sets. That's essentially basically what the circadian rhythm is the infradian rhythm is a 28 day cycle where mm-hmm. you essentially, you go through the different seasons, spring, um, y- you, know, your body's getting ready, ready to create an egg, summer, it's created the egg, um, mm-hmm. autumn, it's getting ready to rest. Winter is releasing the egg. You've got this 28 day cycle. Mm-hmm. Part of the mother wind I see as not being able to adhere to that cycle adhere Mm -hmm. to that cycle because productivity is demanded from women in a way that cyclically we're not biologically designed to endure we're just not and Mm um what i don't want this to be perceived of as some silly right-wing rant where you know women are meant to be submissive and blah, blah, blah. i'm not saying that at all what i am saying is literally biologically we have a different we have an extra body clock that we don't mm-hmm. observe so we've watched our mothers powering through around the clock 24 7 where perhaps there are times where they would have needed to rest and if we were living in a more wider tribal society during that point they would have had the opportunity to rest or take on gentler work they wouldn't necessarily Mm -hmm. be doing the same work every single day at the same heightened and angry pace which only perpetuates more anger within them cutting off their femininity you you would be able to take on a different type of work you know maybe Mm -hmm. in one point in your cycle you would have been off hunting with the men because we are actually seeing more archaeological report now that there were women hunters as well surprise surprise yeah maybe I mean. during a different part of your cycle you are out weaving rugs maybe <laughs> a different part of the cycle you're out with the other women being with children mm-hmm. there would have been more flow in what you're doing on a day-to-day basis now we don't have that opportunity and in the That's name okay. of capitalism and it is in the name of capitalism I get very frustrated, as a womanist, I get very frustrated at the feminist movement and how it has been hijacked to ensure that everyone is girl-bossing and in work 24-7, instead Mm -hmm. of going with our literal flow. Feminism has been beautiful for so many reasons, it's also been hijacked, and we all need to admit this it's been hijacked in places to get us going at the same pay- pace as men. And we mm-hmm. are, we are, we're not spiritually, biologically, cyclically, we're just not designed like that. The hardware, as much as we can upgrade the software, man, the hardware still is what it is.
0: You're you not understand.
1: retrofitting. Mm. <laughs>
0: just because you can can doesn't mean you should do you know what i mean and i feel like that's what Mm. we're taught if you want to have equal rights (laughs) then you need to be able to do everything they can do plus what you do Mm. it's just like Mm. the it's yeah it's fucked up it's actually fucked up there's such a gift actually in being able to accept the difference between people like, not see it as a negative, see it as a positive and be able to work with, with those places.
1: No, and not um, use it as a place to shame or
0: mm.
1: denigrate people or force them into little boxes. I, exactly. I think this, this is the confusion, right? Mm-hmm. When you start mm-hmm. to talk about how certain chromosomes will relate to certain cycles that exist within our body plot. It can be quite upsetting socially for people. No one's saying that we should be put into little boxes and no one's here saying oh, all women should be having babies and being tied to the kitchen sink. I don't think yeah. that was ever the plan for humans, ever. Let's be okay. real here. Mm-hmm. But that shame, and I think the mother wind, when we boil down the word into what it is, it's shame. It's shame around a load of different areas, right? Mm. That shame around not being able to be as productive twenty four seven, we are shamed for that, and we should not be being shamed for that. No, it should no. be, it can be actually worked to your advantage.
0: A hundred percent. That's what I mm. yeah, I do feel like it's very important to have some kind of practice related to those places that you want to connect i'm not saying if you're a woman that you should be you know all like doing your femininity shit all the time like that isn't it at all but just whatever it is that you're feeling that you can connect with those places because the only marker you really have for reality is you and your experience like um i just find this really interesting actually yeah that it is massively shame i think of myself as somebody with daddy issues that's how i think of myself overwhelmingly <laughs> but it yeah. is very interesting See like the different ways that you're affected. I, I, you know, even this people pleasing thing, like that's massive, man. That's massive for so many women that I know. So many strong, powerful women who actually just like dumb themselves down to kind of fit because we're worried that. To say no, and I'd say no. You know, like again, that again, I can do the thing. So maybe I should just do the thing. Like this is something that all my friends like repeatedly do we all do it like push ourselves when we shouldn't push ourselves um Mm. and oh man i'm not having i don't feel like i'm having very like comprehensive thoughts right now but this is literally opening up so many levels of like understanding for me even just having this conversation out out loud again do you know what i mean like and just thinking again about the importance of what to be done like i miss I miss doing my cycle work. You do? Yeah It was what hard, do do I'm not for gonna your lie. Cycle work? Well, like I said, I'd do the retreat for three days. Yeah. And I'm telling you what, that was fucking three. hard. That was fucking hard. Yeah. Three days every month.
1: I can't imagine 13. three days of not read like you know when people say, If you're on a desert island, like, would mm. you be able to entertain yourself that type of thing? But realistically, three days. Not being able to read, not being able to check the phone. Like, pre- what What were you doing for those three days? Like, drumming,
0: making things. I was, yeah. A lot of it, I was thought... freaking out. A lot of it, I was like, why the fuck am I such a fucking hippie? Like, just, like, go and get a fucking <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> but that was part of the journey. Um, <laughs> it's hard work. i tell you what, I was doing this, like, a decade ago. And I feel like... Mm-hmm. Again, if I was to in, begin that practice again, which I do think would be very useful for me, it would be a lot more challenging, and not. And ironically, I'm much further along on like my understanding, my you know, my spiritual work and my healing work and all that kind of stuff. But ten years ago, I didn't have Instagram. Ten yeah. years ago, Netflix wasn't just like playing things on repeat, just like <laughs> episode after episode. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It my attention so many distractions. Was so <laughs> I didn't have so many distractions. Yeah. Or there wasn't things for me to long to be distracted by, and it was still fucking hard. Like, but I, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing to be able to sit with yourself. It's like one of the mm-hmm. hardest things that I've ever done. But in order to really know yourself and begin to understand these things, like I do, think you need to have those moments. Like even Aisha was saying, you're gonna hear this. You're gonna hear Aisha's episode after this episode, guys. But it's like literally, Aisha deeply rooted <laughs> has blown our fucking minds. Yeah. And what she was saying about stillness, it's like without that stillness, like you 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 really can't get to know um yeah do you do you feel like obviously we're looking back on all these things but do you recognize now like how much this all affects your life like in the present
1: yeah um I do um I really do and I think in relation to that, another part of the, the mother wound is having a long memory, right? Mm. Because <laughs> you, you kind of have to have a long memory when you're a woman <laughs> because you have to guard yourself, um, especially when you're a Black woman or when you're a woman of color. You have to have an even longer memory. Because <laughs> intergenerationally so much shit has hit us we've we've had to have long memories in order to hold on to the trauma as a form of lesson Mm. i think we take that too far i think now i've been very aware that i've held on to story traumatic stories there are traumatic stories that i've held on to um and probably as a form of protection, as a form of that, having that long memory and making sure it doesn't happen to myself again. Um, but at the same time, needing to be aware in this present moment that I can't live in those places. When you live yeah. in those places, we are journey workers, right? You, you literally yeah. set up camp in a space in time, in space and in time in a, a physical location. If you were to put a dot on a map and say, this is here, that's that's as real as it is when you set yourself up Mm. in those stories um Mm. you 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 kind of have to gain some distance from it and gain some presence
0: um
1: because if you if you don't gain that presence then you're falling into this very big trap within the mother wound and Mm -hmm. that's just bludgeoning a, a a dead horse <laughs> mm-hmm. it gets you nowhere sometimes it really a lot of the time 99.9% mm-hmm. of the time it gets you nowhere ruminating on these stories
0: yeah 100% what is the word um, uh, my favorite phrase at the moment actually is uh an analysis paralysis
1: analysis paralysis exactly analysis paralysis you experience some analysis paralysis and I think this contribute I think this is a part of the mother wound because I'm Mm. pretty sure that um this isn't a father father wound thing Mm. this isn't something that is classically observed as masculine energy this ruminating Mm. um
0: um
1: I do want to say here, you're probably noticing we're talking here in terms of binaries and the reason here we're talking in terms of these binaries, I like to think of it as us relating us back to the Kybalion, um, Mm. where, um, and you'll get an episode on this, a study club episode on this soon, (laughs) I'm sure, where there is gender in everything, um, this idea of masculine and feminine energy, which Mm just because you're in a female body doesn't mean that you're 100 percent carrying female energy there's going to be masculine Mm -hmm. elements in there too um Mm -hmm. and everyone's going to have a different balance and that balance isn't necessarily static um Mm -hmm. it it can be fluid at points in your life it may be one way or more the other maybe for large parts of your life it's more one way than more the other and there's no judgment Mm -hmm. there on that and we are talking specifically in terms of father and mother wound because there are specifically um, emotions or behaviours that relate to this idea of energetic female and energetic male.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
1: And this rumination, I do feel it is this, I think of it like a mother elephant. She's She's got mm. to have this long drawn out el- um, memory.
0: mm wow yeah that's a really amazing way to put it
1: how are you dealing with your how are you how have you where are you at with the mother wound right now in your present day life
0: Mm, I feel like like I said to you I did have done a lot of work on that those places Mm -hmm. and maybe not with as much awareness as I've done like the father wound kind of work or been looking at that but Honestly, as soon as I kind of really just got stuck into my spiritual journey and started going to ceremonies and groups and, you know, whatnot and doing the work, then it, it became something that I immediately had to really look at. I had to look at the journeys of my parents. I had to look at mm-hmm. the journey of my mum. My mum's got a very specific story. Um and she's 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 very unwell and she has been for a very long time. And so there's there 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 was something that I really had to look at and had to do and had to get on top of as a young person, just because of my whole family situation. The thing with you mentioned this earlier is like healing or growth, evolution. Mm. Like these things come in stages. So, you know, there was a time when I was like twenty seven when I was like, psh, 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 I have healed this shit. I'm good. Let let's go. <laughs> I'm above it now. <laughs> <I'm fucking> above <laughs> this. Like you know, and then a couple of years later it comes back, the next layer is, is peeled because actually these things, we can separate them, father wound, mother wound, this wound, that wound, da 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 da. Really all we're talking about is our wounding, our core wounds, the things that have happened to us, the right. things that we've been taught and conditioned. Like, so these things are lifetimes of conditioning. Like I, have, I was conditioned in a very specific way. And so now as a 35 year old woman, I'm still very aware of the unpicking of that conditioning. Like I do a lot of watching of my thoughts and how I think about things. Because I know that's where those things live. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't mean that I'm always on it or always aware or necessarily live really in the way that I want to or feel fully authentic to the way that I'm expressing myself all the time. Um, But I'm a lot easier with myself on the mother wound stuff now because I recognize that there is a, it's a work. It's a lifetime work that I'm having to do. I definitely have yeah had had moments where it's been much more difficult in recent years but
1: I think all women can probably who have had experiences with a mother or even the absence of the mother will feel a point Mm -hmm. where there is some that you hold a particular feeling towards your mother that perhaps is stronger than it should be Mm -hmm. have you through growing and understanding this has that feeling Changed? Has it softened? I I mean, I think some people listening, it might not soften. It might not ever softening at soften. And you know that is your God given right. But for you,
0: yes. I mean, maybe I feel like I need to tell you like a very specific ceremony that I had. It was like my second Mm. ever ceremony with medicine, and. Um, at the time I was going through crazy shit with my dad, but that's quite usual. Um, what I didn't realize was that I was going to have to look at my mum. And that ceremony, mm. I it was long. It was like fucking 12 hours long, man. It was crazy, 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 crazy. Full of people. There was like 60 fucking people there. It was mental. Um, and I just sat up. Like there came a point in time when everyone laid down and I sat up and I was traveling with the medicine and I was going through my mum's life and my dad's life so I was like it was almost like a Scrooge situation you know where like the ghost, ghost of Christmas past was like hey come let's have a look at all this shit come and have a look <laughs> and I just sat there for about seven hours and just cried and cried and cried and cried while I was watching the story of my parents like it was you know and and a lot of it was to do with my mum and it was to do with the fact that you know I can really understand her I can really understand her in a lot of ways because we were both tomboys. We both liked to do things in a certain way. We both didn't really care about, I say didn't really care about what we looked like. You know, we didn't, we wore tracksuits and we didn't wear makeup, you know, all that kind of shit. Um, And, you know, I struggled. I struggled when she was sick because she started getting really unwell, probably not very long after my grandmother died. So I was felt very alone and very like, the life had just massively changed and all of a sudden my mum was getting sick and we didn't know what it was. Um, so there was a time in my life when I was a teenager where I really struggled to understand Then, When she got diagnosed with, she has multiple sclerosis. When she got diagnosed with that, I was really angry. And I was really like, you know, you can heal this. Cause I saw a Ted talk with this doctor. He was like, if you just eat enough vegetables and you do this and you do that. And like, Mm. you know, really blamed her actually,
1: really Mm. blamed her
0: ignoring the fact that actually in the five years previous, she'd lost both of her parents she'd lost her place to live she'd almost died being pregnant and lost that baby and then lost another baby at six months and then had a baby and then was homeless with all her like literally what she fucking went through was insane and i couldn't understand that as a teenager because obviously i was living my own experience of it and i i needed Mm -hmm. things that maybe i wasn't able wasn't weren't there for me in that period of time because life was so so hard you know but like i said she was also an athlete So I went, I had this journey where I just watched, I watched her parents die. I watched her being, you know, I watched her struggling with her body when actually all she really had was her body. I watched her Mm -hmm. being diagnosed. Like I felt her, it was like I almost went into her body and I felt like the immense grief that you would feel, that I would feel even, I can put it like that, as an athlete, as somebody whose my body was like, everything that was who I was Nikki the ninja that's how I was known if that was taken away from me who would I be it's so devastating Mm -hmm. man just thing after thing after thing after thing so I remember sitting there and this that I'm not saying that that's how you need to do things so I tell you what that was fucking hard to go through and then I had to do a lot of integrating and understanding over years and I have to come back to that ceremony, m- mentally and emotionally quite a lot to continue to be able to understand and support her. Cause I am still a baby, You like I'm still a little girl. I'm still somebody who wants my mummy. And you know, it's like, it's, 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 I feel like it's really important to to understand like the traumas that you've received, but also understand that actually like, for the majority of us, I know this is not true for everybody. Like, you know, your parents love you and they are also just fucking human beings, man. They're human beings with their own lives. Like they've experienced their own stuff. And like to actually th- think that, you know, to, to be an adult now and look at my life and go, well, this could have been like that. And that could have been like that. And that could have been like that. And that could have been, like been like that, is all very well and good, but you know, to understand my, my mother, for example, as a, a woman, he was also living life, like she had children, but her life was still happening, I think is really important. Mm. And it helps you kind of separate yourself from the thing of like, oh this happened to me, or that wasn't good enough, or da, 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 da. When you start to really see people as people, you know? And then mm. for me, the, 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 that can create a much better space of being able to support her now that I, I am an adult. And I'm not, even though I may feel like a little girl, I'm not a little girl, I'm a fucking grown ass woman. And, you know, Mm. I can be there for my mum if she needs me to be. And that is, I feel like, a really massive gift and very, very important. Yeah.
1: That sounds so, um, so poignant that you are able to go and have this ceremony. And it sounds like you're continually integrating what's happened here. Mm. Because that's, that's really important. It's really important you know, some, some people may not have the relationships with their parents where they're ever able to come to that point. So it's, I think acknowledging what a blessing it is that you're able to come to that place. Some people just don't have the mothers where they will ever come to that place with their mothers. So some people will always be looking at their mothers like they're abusive, narcissists manipulative um because maybe maybe that's what they are you know when yeah. the divine feminine leaves the divine and turns into the toxic feminine it does become manipulative it does become controlling it mm. does become unnecessarily um hell-bent on pointing to shame and ridicule mm-hmm. and um You've, you've had an experience where you're able to see your mother for who she is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm just thinking out loud here. I do feel sorry for the people who will never have that experience that you've had. And, you know, 100%. have the former experience mm-hmm. I've just mentioned there. Mm-hmm. Because that is, that is tough. And it becomes difficult to not see yourself. It, it becomes difficult to not see yourself as a part of that when you when you
0: are half that. A hundred percent. We'll get into this more in the father wounds episode, but I do we, we de- we I do genuinely gen- like I do genuinely believe that. <sighs> How can I put it into words? Oh, I don't know. Just uh, we'll hold that thought for the next episode. <laughs>
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, I, I, in my lineage, can see where hurt women have hurt women, um, mm-hmm. and I can see this scattered throughout places in my in my bloodline. Not even directly, even like parallel. I can, I can see where, you know, a wound or a, an ancestral trauma is showing up again and again. Mm. Mm. Um, for me, I'm happy to say that happy uh, it is happy is perhaps too strong I'm able to say that I'm now coming from a point of being able to explain and what do we often Mm -hmm. say here on the show (laughs) we explain we don't excuse but I can explain where I've seen Mm -hmm. some behaviors play out and I can see where I can like physically, like once again on a map, pinpoint where it has come from. I can pinpoint how it's been handed down like a pair of pearl earrings from person to person, um, whether they've intended to or not. Um, it's now up to me and my part of the journey to take the good, take the good parts of it and then throw away the rest and um, don't leave a void there fill that space with behaviors I want to want to see taken forward. Um, you know perhaps some of that divine feminine that I want to see go forward and release some of the toxic feminine that I don't want to go forward. So being more nurturing and understanding than you know punitive or shameful um, yeah and yeah that isn't to blame anyone for how they've been. You know, you, only, you can only be what you know. You can only be what you're cognitive, cognizant of, what you're self-aware mm. of, and mm. how well you're able to manage stress and your nervous system That's what it comes down to. Because so many mm. of us have experienced parenting from people who are in survival mode. Mm. And that's always going to be Really hard for everyone to take a look back at our, at whether it's the parent mm-hmm. or the child in that situation it so it can be painful to look back at those most painful moments of our lives, perhaps where someone was very stressed and wasn't able to give us what we needed in the way we mm-hmm. needed it
0: mm-hmm.
1: but i'm I'm at a place where I'm able to see that I'm able to explain that um and I try not to take too much emotion in on with that or try not to repeat so many of the stories because I really do think telling some of these stories just keeps them alive. What I want to tell mm. from these experiences is the lessons I've learned. That's more important to me right now, you know? 100%. Um, so I've, ga- I've gained new ways of, I've, I've gained mental rehearsals of how I'll talk to you when I eventually have a daughter. How I'll talk to her about her periods. How I'll talk mm. to her when she's angry and frustrated and doesn't know how to contain her feelings. Mm. I will be there to be able to show her the best way to do that. I will be there as a sounding board, you know?
0: Exactly, um, exactly.
1: I will be her calm when she's not able to calm herself. And these are like brilliant gifts that I've received that I will be Mm -hmm. passing on to the next generation. And Mm -hmm. I can, I've only got the luxury of being able to do that. Really, I owe to being born in the time I've been born in, the access to information that I have, the access to education that I have. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't be who I was, I wouldn't be who I am without having a mother wound to heal
0: yeah yeah
1: which isn't spiritual bypassing by the way L- literally it's cause and effect no. this is exactly. the cause, this is the effect
0: exactly it is
1: what it is it is, it is what
0: it is I'm also though, as I'm going to try my hardest when I have kids but I'm also just going to make sure that they have like a trust fund purely for therapy because I probably will do something that oh my
1: god <laughs> oh definitely oh i completely you know I mean? agree with that i'm not i'm not gonna go into this being like holy and that i'm gonna be the best mother i'm sure so many have gone into situations that like, i'm gonna be a much better mother than my mother was but there's also gonna be something you do that fucks them up <laughs> 100
0: yeah i'm not doing any comparisons <laughs> to anybody i'm just gonna try my fucking best
1: <laughs> that's it be a good enough mother
0: <laughs> be good enough you know I think that's all you can do I think that's all that you can do and that is why this isn't an episode about bashing. this isn't an an episode about experience you know and I feel like again to I love that you say that about explaining and not excusing because I feel like if we can actually get to a bit more of a point where we can we can actually just have these conversations of explanation for each other and Mm. kind of be like okay cool I understand that it could change the game, like sitting in the place of pain, yes. although I'm fucking so good at that, is never going to be helpful to you. You know, blaming other mm. people isn't going to be helpful. It's it, it, it all does come back to you. Because at the end of the day, if you're mm. not happy, that is your responsibility now. Nowadays, like, it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, right in this moment, that is your responsibility. Right in this does moment. that mean cutting people off? Does it mean restarting conversations with people you previously mm. cut off? Like, it's going to be different for everyone. It's going to be so different
0: exactly. for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. We got you, guys. If you if you want to, like, drop us a message about this stuff, I just feel like I, I, I want to open the... I just want to open the stage for it. Because I do feel like <laughs> this is getting into, like, the, 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 the cause. Do you know what I mean? This is getting into the core cool wounding. So, yeah, please know that we are th- here and we are just here for this these conversations and just to kind of work this shit out it's all we think about
1: <laughs> yeah we're not sitting here being gurus saying this is this is how we got over it you should get over it too but this isn't this isn't that
0: <laughs> this is never gonna no and be probably that. probably someone says that to you they're fucking speaking out their ass anyway <laughs>
1: We're, we're, we're we, we, If we can take the idea that we are all the universe experiencing itself the way the universe wants to experience itself in this specific corner, mm-hmm. then we can move forward on that and we can understand, oh, right, this is your framework. This is my framework. Great. Uh, this is this is the human story. This is the human experience. Um, and this is all we're here to talk about, guys. We're, we're not leading you down a specific path. Um, well, that is As good a place as any. Um, Thank you so much for joining us in this conversation. Um, Like I said, this one has been on our cards for months, but we really wanted to come at it from a place where we were quite nuanced and we weren't like judging our own personal experiences um, and the people involved in those experiences, because, you know, I'm pretty sure down the line we wouldn't be here even doing this work
0: without that stuff that has made us. us. A thousand percent. A thousand percent.
1: Yeah. I'm Jay Percy.
0: <laughs> and I'm Nicola Roth and we will see you next week. Yeah. Bye.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you, beautiful being of the multiverse,
0: for joining us on the Afro Animist Podcast. If you want to get stuck into the conversation or have a question about anything we speak about here, join our mailing list and find us on our socials. On TikTok and Instagram, find us at The Afro Animist Podcast. On Twitter, you can find us at AfroAnimist. If you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Music, you can also find this talk on YouTube. Just search for us and we will pop up as if by magic. If you're loving what we're talking about here share
1: like and subscribe and remember to leave us a thumbs up or five star rating on your favorite platform